All right. So my instructions this morning were to teach you guys how to love Jesus. That's as, that was the specific assignment for this morning. And I said, okay, Jesus, how do I teach them how to love you this morning? And he brought to mind Peter getting the vision to go minister to the Gentiles. And I'm like, that's, all right, let me, help me make that connection. But I'm gonna, I, want, I want you to understand that this whole thing, and when I say this whole thing, I'm talking about your life as a Christ follower, your life as a lover of Jesus, hinges on your ability to follow him and his prompting unconditionally. You cannot love someone well if you're connected to them only when it suits you. If, if your love for your wife is dependent upon the quality of the meal she produces that night, <laughs> I'm not going to finish that example. If your love for your husband is dependent upon the, the amount of money he brings in so you can buy your things. Another bad example. If your love for your friends is only as good as their utility towards your interests, what kind of love, connection, relationship is it really after all? Now, I, I want to make room for obviously different levels of relationship in our life, right? Like, many of you work, many of you are in school, and many of you have gone on from certain workplaces into new ones, or gone on from certain school environments into new ones, and new phases of life, and you go, well, that friend isn't here anymore. It was just a, it must not have been a friendship. It must not have been real. It was just for that time. It must not have been as deep as it should have been. Truthfully, there's different levels of relationship. Not all relationships are designed to carry with you throughout your whole life. So that's okay. But what we're talking is about is a relationship with God and Jesus, one that is intended to trump all. He, in, in design, has asked us to yield to him as king. Therefore, like we are connected in an eye-to-eye manner such that if he says a word, we're, we're under his kingship and we would then be able to go. But I'll tell you, if the relationship isn't true, if it's partial, if it's dependent upon your preference being aligned with his command, you'll find yourself not out of relationship with him necessarily, but you'll find yourself not in full relationship with him. And you say, well, that, yeah, that makes sense. That's simple. He's king. And it is at times challenging to serve him, but I'm fully in this. Like, I've surrendered my life to him. I'm fully in it. It's good. We're good. He told me it's good. You keep telling me that he's telling you that it's good for me. I feel like it's good. But we can acknowledge sometimes there's limitations in the fulfillment of his kingdom in our life. And I'm here to challenge you today to love him well. And so loving, if you get to the core of what love is, it requires this surrender that is so unnatural and abnormal. It's not instinctive for us to surrender in ways that love requires. Really anywhere, 
whether it's husband and wife, friend to friend, mother to child, father to child, like the surrender required to love is so extreme and so radical that it's really unusual for us to have a lot of relationships that are truly, truly, truly loving to the point where there's unconditional love there. And so here's the amazing invitation that God is giving us, all of us, is that I loved you to the point of death. Now, will you love me to the point of death in surrender in response? And if you do, all of these things that I've got in mind will be added to you. If you don't, maybe it's some of these things that I have in mind for you. I don't know. It's not a math equation per se, but there has to be an acknowledgement that if I'm not fully connected, fully bought in, unconditional surrender, there's going to be a limitation as to how he flows through me and into my life. Does that make sense? It's just kind of, like, keep it simple. I don't want it to become mathematical. A lot of you guys are critical, analytical thinkers. Many of you are Berkeley people, so you were really good at your SATs. You're like, this equation equals this answer. This Theology equals this outcome. This way of living produces this result. With God, it's not quite that simple, but there is this requirement that's relational. And so there is this thing about he has to be king unconditionally in order for me to live the fullest version of my life. And it's not just so I can acquire more and inherit more, it's so that he can express himself through me more. And there can be these great supernatural outcomes as a result of my living with him. And so here's my question to you. Do you want it? Okay. Do you want it? And the verbal answer would always be, yeah. But I want you to kind of come face to face with the reality of the question because it's a hard yes. It's not a quick, easy yes. It's a, well, what is required? And that's okay to have that response. And that's true because when Sophia proposed to me, I was like, well, what's required if I say yes? That's not how it went. <laughs> that's not how it went. <laughs> what do you mean? I was like, you want me to marry you, so I know I'm going to have to kind of surrender in a lot of ways. She's like, I'm going to have five kids. You're going to be good with it. She didn't do any of this, by the way. I just, I'm completely making all this up. I knew when I was getting into the relationship that there was a lot that I was going to lay down. But I knew that I was going to receive a lot in return. But there's a mystery there's an expectation, but there's obviously a mystery. And with Jesus, it's exactly the same. There's this huge mystery that the God of all creation has invited me into a relationship. And in theory, it's not just so I would serve him with obedience and, and kind of religious fervor and get like aligned correctly, and then I know I'm just marching to the right beat, and then I'll check in with him when I die. I know there's more to it than that, but we're, we're asked to look at Scripture, we're asked to look at the heritage of those who have followed him, and we're asked to say, what you did for them is enough for me to know that if I yield, you'll do good with me.
But so oftentimes we get into these modes where we're walking with him out of great joy, expectation, and faith. But then we come to a moment where God asks us to do something that's uncomfortable. And I want to tell you guys, this is not a beginner message. This is not a Christianity 101. This is a message for those who are interested in greater life with Jesus. Not, not access to heaven life. Not I'm saved because he's big life. It's God, I want you to use my life in the absolute greatest way you can. It's as if I want to get married to you and surrender the rest of my life in its fullness to you, no matter what I have to yield as a result of being that bound to you. And I'll tell you, all of us know instinctively, I'm going to have to give things away. I'm going to have to give up preference. I'm going to have to give up control. I'm going to have to give up maybe all my dreams to do that. But I want, I want to invite you into a place that God invited all of our heroes, where he says, if you're willing to step forward when I ask you to step forward, I will meet you, but then it's going to be for you to follow me, and we'll do great things together. I don't think this is a beginner room. I think this is an advanced placement room. I took AP classes. I remember those. I passed some of them. All of them, actually. I, I, I want that life. I don't want to know about God. I want to walk with God. For years of my life, I, I prayed the prayer, let me see your face. I was just stuck on Moses where, where he got to see God's face. I, I, you, don't, you know you don't know what that means, truthfully. But I, there was a draw in me to want to connect with God at a higher level than just being a good Christian kid. And I want you guys, if you, if you leave the room with anything today, I want you leaving the room either with a question circling in your mind, am I willing to surrender my whole life? Not just say like Jesus come in, like surrender my whole life, no strings attached, whatever you say, I'll endeavor with all of my heart and will to do. That question I want you to leave with or I want you to respond to today. And I want you to understand it's not unique to you, but it's unique if you say yes. That question that God asks all of humanity, who is your God and who are you, is available to all of creation. And we'll get to it in a second. But there is so few of us who consistently like yield and like take the knee. Remember when Sophia proposed to me, she took the knee and she was like, will you please? And, I, and, and so like, and, and it felt so good. No, I'm just, I'm kidding. No, but for it, so few of us really do take the knee to where we go, God, like full surrender. We do it, we do it at points in our life or we do it seasonally. And then he's like, good, good job. You said good job. And you're like, he's like, okay, now come with me. And you're like, okay, where are we going? It's like, just come with me. And so you, you're like living now. And you're walking with him. And you're doing the things that you feel you should do. And he's like, yield. 
And usually that next yield is a challenging yield. And it's a will I yield here in the same way that I yielded there. Because back here, when it started, it was, okay, I'm really hopeful and, and you're really big. And I feel your bigness and I feel that life would just be better with you. And so I'm down. I'm down. I'm down. It's good. It's good. It's good, Katie. It's good. Oh, day one, so good. And then, then you have life and you're going and he's leading and it's good and it's good and his grace is all over you. But then he looks over to the Holy Spirit and he looks over to Jesus and maybe a few angels are there and he's like, oh, it's time for Kevin to become a man. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a stretch. What are we going to do with Kevin? Kevin's been so good for pew one and two, but we're on pew three now. Woo! You guys ready? This is going to be entertaining. Let's ask Kevin to yield in this area, this area, and this area all at once. We'll hit him with a ton of bricks. Let's make him so uncomfortable. Let's see if he's still fully in love to where he can get down to his knees and go, whatever you say is good. We're not in heaven anymore. Now we're on earth and we're looking at Kevin. And here's Kevin. Oh my God, this is brutal. Like, and he's like here and he's like, all right, I'm good. And God's like, nope, you're not down yet. And he's like, it hurts. I can't hold this position for long. I can't, I've got a really strong left quad. I, but like, like, he's like, I can't hold this position for long. God, when do we get to do the stuff you've asked me to do? And God's just quiet. Because Kevin doesn't see that there's, while he's, he has begun the process of yielding, he has not gotten all the way down. There's parts of his heart that are still questioning this surrender because this surrender may not make as much sense as the first one did. This surrender might not feel as good. This surrender might feel like an assignment that feels like it's just not comfortable. Guys, there's so many rows to go. I don't know what row you're on, but the greater question is, can you today get down completely with an intent that no matter what God asks as we go on this journey, I'll continue to get down low. And if you say that's the life I want, not the moment I want, then you're joining the ranks of the heroes of the faith. Then you'll see the fruits of the kingdom manifest in your life consistently, not occasionally. And so let's go to a, a journey that Peter went through this morning. We're gonna look at Peter and I want you to understand that all of Christianity hinged on people who were willing to yield completely. If they didn't, it never would have happened because that's the only life God is willing to endorse with his fullness. He, he blesses us as children. I have a seven, six, five, three, and almost two-year-old. Each of those, that's true, that part's true for those of you who don't know me, and they're all girls. Each of them have different levels of capability based on their age, their function, their, their, their just who they are. I don't look at the two-year-old and go, how come you didn't put the dishes away today? What is going on with you? You are not qualified to be in my home Get out. 
<laughs> now, would I like to some mornings? No. <laughs> I'm a good father, a good parent. Um, God, he loves us unconditionally. He is not frustrated with us if we are on pew one a month, a year, even a decade longer than we could be because we're really struggling to yield on pew two. You guys get the illustration. But there's this requirement to, to get into the greater things of God. We must have a lifestyle of absolute yieldedness and we have to have a clear communication path to have that yieldedness. You see, it's one thing to like live a principled life. It's another thing to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so the basics are I've got to hear his prompting and hear his voice. And then I've got to have a heart that's like, oh yeah, he said something. This is going to be good. And I want to give you guys permission this morning. One, you have to start dreaming dreams that God could use you in more powerful ways than he demonstrated in the Bible. When Jesus left, he said, you will do greater things because the Holy Spirit is with you. Now, if he were here, he dropped in for the moment. He's like, I got 30 minutes to spare. I'm gonna come to, come to Joy House. I'm like, Jesus, come on up. It'd be good if you talked. And he's like, guys, I did some cool stuff, but you really are gonna do some greater things. I gotta go. Trust me, it's true. See you later. Would it rock your world? Would it change your mind? Or would you leave and go, isn't Jesus crazy? <laughs> he says the weirdest stuff. I don't know what he's talking about. Because the disciples did that a lot. They were always like, what is he talking about? He said some crazy things. It's, it's true if you're yielded. But it's hard to yield. All right, let's read, let's read some Bible. That's good. That's, all right. Acts 11, 1 through 19. And I, I feel like I've talked about this passage before. The truth of it is we could talk about the same passage every day for like a year and get something new out of it. So if you're taking notes on how many times I use certain verses, I wish you had more to do with your life. I know, that would make me feel better. <laughs> I can't keep track of it all. I have five kids. All right. Now the apostle and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Okay, I'm going to give you the two-minute version of what's going on here. Jewish people were different from everyone else. They were God's people. They were the ones chosen by God. They had come out of Egypt. They were led by Moses, and they are a people group that's unique that served one God, it was them and everybody else. It was Jew or Gentile. Those were in Old Testament, Old Covenant, that's, that's what it was. It was either them or us. Even after Jesus had died and resurrected, there was still very much this cultural them, everyone else, and us. This is the basics of what was happening at the time. And so, when it says the circumcised believers criticized him, I want you to understand who these people were and how far down the aisle they had come. These were Jews, devote Jews, who for their life had been devote Jews. That means their whole lifestyle, their diet, the way they married, the certain work they would or wouldn't do, their, 
their lifestyle, their culture, their community was devoted to God, Yahweh. This, this, this reality of the one who had saved us from Egypt is our God, our Father. Jesus comes along and he says, time for all Jews to yield. I am the fulfillment of God's promise for a Messiah. I am the Messiah. You must yield to me. Surrender your expectation that the Messiah will come. I am him. There is a percentage of the Jews at the time, truthfully a smaller percentage, that said, yes, okay, I'll step here. I'll yield all the way. You are God. This is a big deal. We are now other than the other. Remember, small group, smaller group. This is the most exclusive party to be a part of if you're in it because you have the revelation that the Messiah has arrived. You have had the courage to yield all of your preconceived ideas about what he should look like, who he should be, how he should function on earth, and what he would do physically for his people. You're willing to surrender those expectations and follow God because there's been a prompting in your spirit. That is this group. These are admirable. First generation believers who broke into the new era by trusting and following the Holy Spirit and God. The Holy Spirit had come on them. Many of them spoke in tongues. They were given life through the Spirit. These are people that if the story stopped there, we would all go, heroes, forefathers, these guys are the ones who went first and gave the rest of the Jews, the opportunity to also follow Christ. But then there's this next step, this next stage. These guys hear that Peter had gone to a Gentile's house. And he had given them the gospel, and they had responded in the affirmative. And they're like, wait a second, the, this, is, this is not cool. <laughs> This is not cool. This is not who we are. We are the Jews after all. We're just Jews that understand Jesus. How, Peter, could you ever do such a thing? I want you to, I want you to know you would have done the same, same thing. Same, same, same thing. You would have done exactly this. You would have looked across the aisle, saw Michael yielding to Jesus in bed like, Stephen? Why did you talk to Michael about Jesus? Look at him. Look at that hair. He's not one of us, obviously. And guys, it was that simple. He wasn't Jewish. He was a centurion, which means he was Roman, which means he was kind of of the ruling class, political. They had power. They had all of the authority in society they were definitely not the people we were trying to convert and bring into our family. We were actually in our hearts trying to become our own people to overthrow this thing so that the Messiah could be ushered in under our rule and our reign. We were just going to do it with him as king, right? Our rule and our reign. So they have a challenge for Peter. So Peter begins to explain. And this is what I want you to understand. The yieldedness that I want to celebrate today in you is the same yieldedness Peter had to demonstrate for us. Look at the next slide. It says, then Peter began to explain it to them step by step, saying, 
I was in the city of Joppa praying. Say praying. Do you guys know what that is? Anybody? Good. All right. And in a trance. Say trance. Any trances? Good. All right. I saw a vision. Say vision. Okay. All right. Now, if you were leading your argument about why you, you, in some people's thinking, betrayed the purity of the gospel, would you lead with logic and reason and say, well, obviously Michael needed it. Look at it. He's a good man after all, and that's what Scripture says. We're going to get to who he, who he was, Cornelius. But he, he was a good man. He's serving the poor. He deserves this. Peter doesn't start there. Peter says, I was praying. I went into a trance, and I had a vision. The foundation for this major shift in all of, all of the faith was based on a spiritual interaction with God that requires so much trust. Have any of you had a dream before? <laughs> the answer is yes. All of you have had dreams. Have any of you had dreams and you're like, what on earth was that? I have no idea. That was the weirdest dream ever. <laughs> Who wants to share? No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> um, dreams are kind of wild. Sometimes they are explicitly things God puts into your mind because he's communicating with you. Other times, it's not that. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say. My wife is a dreamer. She has the most amazing dreams that are God dreams. And sometimes we're like, oh, that was weird. No idea what that was. I don't dream that often. Sometimes when I dream, it's like, I have no clue where that came from. Not, not cool. Definitely not something I'm going to like base my life or decision patterns after. This was not God, not good. I don't know. I must have been hanging out with somebody, Stephen. I don't know. It just, I, it just, it, I'm concerned for him now, not me. I, you, guys, you guys know dreams at times are like, wow, that was amazing. Or sometimes it was like, I have, it was obviously God, but I have no idea. And sometimes it's like, I got to get that out of my head. That wasn't good. Okay? Does it require faith when God gives you a dream to trust that it's God giving you the dream. Yes, it does. All right. Peter was at a place in his life where he knew the difference between maybe a weird vision, a weird dream, and something that was God-induced. He was also at a place in his life, and remember, he had been working the gospel for a while. Thousands converted, power demonstrated. He is, like, if we were to say the peak of his powers, like, this guy is functioning in full form. He's being led by, prompted by visions, trances, and dreams. Do you remember Abraham, who we talked about last week? Visions, dreams, angels appearing. Do you guys see a pattern that throughout the whole Bible, and, and our theme for a while for me is going to be obedience, but different forms of it. And most often when we see heroic action where God comes and meets people, it's because people are yielding to spiritual interaction. Moses sees a burning bush. Peter has a vision in a trance. Abraham has God kind of prompting him with an angelic visitor. None of these things are like, hey, I, I sat down with my 401k and I... I, I I understand that in this many years, it will be really logical for me to move to this island where I'll have tax benefits. And then, like, 
None of you? Okay, you guys get the... <laughs> anybody? No, not at all. All right, the, the simple, simple, logical life where you say A plus B should equal C, and, and it feels right because culturally it feels right because most people do it, and now, therefore, I have a justification. None of that is what we see modeled in the Bible. We see these guys taking absolute risk because they're, they're con the language of heaven is normal to them. And so Peter, in explaining to that admirable group of Jews that were trying to preserve the purity of the gospel, Peter says, guys, I had a trance and a vision, so let me explain. This is what happened. Hmm. I wonder how many of us will have visions, dreams, and follow with absolute abandon. God won't waste things on you. You have to invite him to communicate with you, but he, like me, when I look at my two-year-old, I don't start explaining the benefits of studying their homework. I look at my two-year-old and I'm like, I'm communicating with you what you can absorb and contain. And you say, well, I want a Peter-like life. Will you embrace the visions and dreams? Do you understand the language? Or is it all like, eh, I don't know if God still communicates that way. I've never had one. I don't even know if he does it. I think those people are making it up. Uh, does God really talk to you? Well, I don't know, not, not so much. Listen, your experience means nothing. What's true is that this is how God functions, and we need to ask God to bring us to a place where we are experiencing the fullness of his world, not him kind of shaping into a place where he's, he's comfortable for me. And so when we look at this, I want you to look at one other scripture because it's, it's exemplifying what's going on with Peter, but also with you. Let's go to the next one. Joel 2. This is a, everyone's heard this verse. Then afterward I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female slaves, in those days I will pour out my spirit. This was prophesied before Jesus came. He was talking about what would happen after the arrival of Jesus. There's a latter day we're in it now, and the expectation is that the Holy Spirit will not just work with, God in his wisdom will not just work with a select few prophets, but all of those who yield to him will have access to the same type of vision, dream, communication lines that they had in the Old Covenant, Old Testament. So it's, it's a vision, it's a dream that Joel has where one day all of us will have communication from heaven in the same way that I'm having it right now, Joel saying that. You see, there was a time where, where Christ, those who followed God, it was such a small, small group. It was so, so exclusive because it was just those that had descended from Abraham and that were in his covenant. The prophets that were born out of that same family tree were, were the ones that were gifted to hear and then lead the people. I don't want that for you. God never wanted that for you. He wanted all of us to be able to have access to him. And so here's, my, here's request number one, and we're gonna pause. Here's altar call without coming to the altar. You guys are gonna ask if you want it for God to begin to communicate with you at a higher level. And you're gonna say, listen, I, know, I don't know where I'm at in my maturity and progression. It's not for you to measure, that's not important. But there has to be a sincere interest 
in him coming to you, there has to be that invitation. Because God in the Bible says, hey, it's available to everybody. Then for us, we have to respond with a God, I want that. I am afraid of it. I don't understand it, but I want it. And I want you to do whatever is required so that I can begin to function in that way. All right, so I just, I just laid out a prayer for you. I want you to pause for one second. I want you to close your eyes. And if you want him to begin to communicate with you at a higher level, where he can lead you with visions, dreams, his Holy Spirit can prompt you and talk to you. I want you just in the most simple childlike way to say, God, I want that. And whatever it takes, I'm willing to yield so that you'll increase your volume in my life. All right. Either most of you just went to sleep or most of you just made an invitation. And I'll tell you, sometimes God will say, do you remember 13 years ago when you asked for this one thing? That's why I'm giving you this today. And I'll tell you, if you have faith, to think, like, if God, if I ask, if I invite God into turning up the volume in my life, if you have faith to think, to realize that's all it's required, he will. Trust it, just trust it, it will come. So Peter was well down the road with this relationship. Visions, dreams, angelic visitation, normal for him, authoritative for him. My prayer is that for each of you guys, when God begins to visit you in whatever way he chooses, whether it's through your dream life, his, his voice just gets louder in his word. His voice gets louder in your prayer time. You have visitation with the angels. Whatever it is, however he chooses to do it, my prayer for you is it becomes absolutely full rapt attention and absolute yieldedness. Your response is whatever you say, my response is yes. And I'll tell you right now, every time we see it in the Bible where God visits to deliver a message, everyone's response is no. <laughs> Every single time. They always start out with but, or why, or no. And they're modeling something for you. If God has to come and explicitly tell you to do something, it's because you weren't going to do it on your own. You weren't already going there. You needed him to come prompt you. So therefore, there's something in you, residing in you, that has to break in order for you to be yielded in this new chapter, at this new pew, in this new season. And so when you guys earlier prayed a prayer of like, hey, I want your voice to get louder, I promise it will come with an expectation something needs to shift in me. And so sign up for it with great courage because there's great things coming. And so Peter is down the road. Let's read this. There was, so this is Peter explaining his vision. It's a weird one. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, no, by no means no, absolutely not, God. <laughs> I don't recommend that. I don't recommend that. For nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. 
He's, he's reciting his resume, his thought process, his world, and what God had previously told him to God. And he's saying, this is the way the world works, God. I won't do that. But a second time, the voice answered from heaven, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times. Then everything was pulled up again to heaven. <laughs> At that very moment, next slide. At that very moment, three men sent to me, this is, this is Peter still talking, sent to me from Caesarea, arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me, so this is separate, right? So he was in that trance, he sees that weird vision, and it's telling him to eat things that would have made him unclean. And he wakes up and it's like, somebody's here. Who's here? And the Spirit says, tells me, go with them, and don't make a distinction between them and us. Oh, what a, turn to your neighbor and say, I think you have distinctions in you. <laughs> Give him a scowl. Say, so I think there's distinctions in you. I'm, I'm not sure what they are, but I can smell it. You have distinctions in you. <sighs> I see so many distinctions out there. I call out all of your distinctions. The Spirit tells Peter, don't make a distinction between them and us. Don't make a distinction between them and us. Who are these six men? So it says, these six, these six brothers also accompany me. That's the group that he was with. And we entered the man's house. So them and us, who's them? The Gentiles. Who's us? The Jews. The Holy Spirit prompts Peter, after having a weird vision about animals and eating, dietary habits, he says, don't make distinctions. And so they go. He just goes. I, I, don't, I think this, we read this and it's like, oh, that's cool. That's so normal. If I had a vision of animals and God told me to eat them, I'd obviously hop up and travel to another city with strange, two strange men that I didn't know. And I'd bring a couple friends with me because it would feel a little safer. But yeah, I'd go. No, you wouldn't. You liar. You have distinctions among you. You would totally do it. You say, well, no, the Spirit would have prompted me the same way, and I would have been like, I have no distinctions. Let's go. And you're like, I don't even know what distinctions means. It doesn't matter. The idea is you are just like Peter. Peter, though, was, he was yielded, guys. He was obedient when the Spirit prompted him. When, when he had a vision or a dream, he knew that it was leading his life. It wasn't like an afterthought, and maybe I'll get back to that later. It was, it was what's next. He wasn't shy to vocalize his concerns. After all, he said, no, absolutely not. Three times, otherwise the vision wouldn't have had to happen three times. But he went. He went. And when he got there, you can tell he's still not sure what's going on. And, and this chapter 11 follows chapter 10 where it actually happens and then he's recounting it. So it tells the story twice. But he says, so we went and when we got there, he, this is the, the man that he's visiting, the Roman, he told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house. And the angel had told him, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household would be saved. Cornelius also has faith. He also takes risks. He also yields to the prompting of the Spirit, 
even though he didn't even know what it was. There was this, there's this chain reaction of one yielding causing the other to yield, and it, it creates this momentous moment in the history of humanity because what's going on right here is Jesus had already died on the cross, making salvation available to all, but this is the fulfillment because this is now a Jew saying, we are going to bring it to all, and we are not going to make distinctions saying, this is not for you, it's only for us. We are a bigger people. This is the history that allows every single person in this room into the faith. Two men yielded to visions and dreams. Mm. 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 So good. This is the best. Thank you. All right. And as I began to speak, I'm on the next slide. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered, <laughs> sometimes I read Peter and I'm like, he is, he's the simplest man ever. <laughs> he's like, and it came to me, the word that said, John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, obviously they're speaking in tongues. They're all doing exactly the same thing. It's not a profound moment on Peter's behalf. He's like, guys, but in the most simple like, of ways, he's like, hey, Jewish Christians, they got baptized in the exact same way. And I didn't do it. That's the Holy Spirit falling on them. I don't think we can say it's not, not God. So that's what the next slide says. It says, if then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to hinder or slow down or stop God? Let's look at the last slide. When they heard this, they were silenced. And they praise God, saying, then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. We wouldn't, none of us would be Christians if God didn't open it up to all ethnicities, all races, all colors, all everybody. But it took individuals prompted by the Spirit of God to yield their predisposition, their distinctions, their, their ideas that were entrenched in them and that actually had defined who they were. It took them laying those things down in order for doors to be open for this next group of people, in order for them to be open for us. And I, there's so much beauty in this story, but the thing I want you to leave with today is you are being invited into a life of miraculous, Kingdom advancement. He wants to work miracles through your hands. He wants to send you to dark places, whether it's businesses, whether it's countries. I want this church to be a place where we send people out all the time, where you're equipped to go. You're not equipped to sit. <laughs> if you're equipped to sit, I've failed. But if you fall in love with Jesus so much that when he says, you jump, and you go, and then you fall down. You're like, I'm yielded. And he's like, whoa, whoa, stand up. I didn't tell you to sit there. He's like, I'm right over here. Okay, okay, okay. You're, you're just in this mode of like, whatever you say, I'll do, and I'll do it fast. I'll obey. Then you can go anywhere. You can do anything because you're, you're endorsed by the Spirit of God. And all of his armies are there with you to go into these crazy, crazy places. I don't want you to have average, boring lives. I don't want you to be struggling with stress and anxiety and while, all the while doing really normal things. Not to diminish you if you're struggling with stress and anxiety. That's what's happening in our culture. That's what's going on right now. 
all of us are under a certain like wave of, of increased stress, anxiety. And it may not even make sense, it's just what's going on, because it's a spiritual thing. But I'll tell you, there's this thing that happens when people begin to obey God, that whatever's going on in the environment, or your life, or your family, when God speaks anything, and you respond with obedience, it's as if the power of all of those pressures and things that have been holding you in place in a, in a, in a feeling, or an emotion, or a a stronghold almost of like, I, you know, just life isn't going well, but it's that one whisper of his prompting and that one yieldedness from you that says not just to you, but to every spirit in the environment, it's a yielded one. They have the endorsement of heaven. God's going to back them up this is not going to be easy. We should either get away or we should fear. Because God looks for those who he can endorse. He looks for those he can invite into greater and greater things. And if, if you're willing to obey his prompt, I'm telling you the things that have kind of wrapped you with, with seeming power where you felt stuck or harassed or challenged, they'll just disappear and your eyes won't be fixed on those things anymore. The limitations that your moment seems to have over you will disappear because I am connected in that moment to God himself who has spoken a word to me and I've stepped out. It's almost like I've, I've re-enlisted again today for the instructions for that morning. It's like you pop up in the morning. What are we doing today? You're not popping, you're not like rolling over in the morning going, oh my gosh, what is today gonna bring? <laughs> you're waking up and you're saying, what are we doing today? We're gonna win after all. And I, I just, I'm so proud to be here with you today because I feel like so many of you are on the edge of being enlisted into great, great things. And so with me, go to God with courage and say, God, I'll eat any four-footed animal you want me to eat. And you'll know what that means, and so will he. It means I don't know what my limitations are. Peter didn't know that was a limitation. He didn't know that was holding a, a group of the body of Christ back. You don't know what's keeping you from this next chapter until God gives you the opportunity to either let go, take hold, step this way, drop this thing, do that, God speaks in the most mysterious of ways, and he never speaks, he so rarely speaks in ways where you're like, oh, I knew that was coming. That's exactly what I thought I needed. <laughs> I knew I was going to have to make that change, or I knew this was going to be the thing that came. No, it, it, it doesn't work that way. It works with greater and greater and greater evidences of your yieldedness. He could trust Peter because Peter was crazy enough to yield there were so many in that group even that were kind of more brilliant and more like academic and right or even maybe more trained. But that wasn't what God was interested in. He was just interested in yieldedness. And so I want you guys with great abandon to begin to seek God. Not just today, but you begin to seek God with a request. God, send me. God, challenge me. God, speak to me. Anything you say, I'm going to do everything I can, but I want 
it to start, I want the engine to start turning like really fast. I don't want like baby steps. I want you to start challenging me. And I promise there will be no distinctions. There will be no four-footed animals. There will be no things that I hold up to you and go, no, 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 that can't be right. My whole life, everything I think, everything I say up until this point is at your feet because you're my king and I'll yield and I'll go. All right. I want to pray for you guys and I want to pray two things. One, new courage to obey. You guys get it? Abraham last week, Peter this week. Courage to obey. And I want to pray that God begins to release vision to you and prompts to you, whether it's through dreams, his Holy Spirit speaking to you, trances would be cool. I want to hear about all this stuff. We don't seek these things out. They don't, we can't make these things happen. These are things that God brings to us but one thing that Peter was doing that I think is important to highlight, he was praying. He was on a rooftop at noon, laying there, praying. In the middle of the day, he had stopped to give God time. I don't think that's a coincidence that God visited him when he was making a step towards God. I think it's one thing on Sunday for us to say, God, give me all that stuff, cool. Now I gotta go do some things. But as, as you're in the process of doing your things, your normal life, are you carving time away to say, God, I'm here. Whatever you want to say, I'm listening. Or are you just barreling through, waiting for a burning bush to actually catch your attention? Don't make that the relationship kickoff moment for you and God. I don't make Sophia yell at me before I'll anticipate her needs, although I'm very bad at anticipating things. I try to anticipate what might help the relationship advance. But if I wait for the yell, the shout, I don't think I'm being a really good partner. And I want you guys to be relationally connected to God like Peter was, where in the middle of his day, he was just hungry to interact with God. He couldn't wait for the next opportunity. And I think all of us get that. All of us understand that. And it's not out of a religious, like, every day at 12, I have to do this. It's out of every opportunity I have to make space or room for him to communicate. I do it. I turn worship music on. I get quiet before I go to bed, and I just I say, God, can we talk to me? Okay, I'm going to go to bed then. <laughs> but I give him a little time. And sometimes I give him a little more time. And sometimes I stop my work day, and I go get my car and I just, I take a break, and I go, hey, God, it's good talking to you. Do you have anything to say to me today? I'm not reciting all of my needs or all the things that are going on. I'm just, I'm giving him room. Peter gave God room. And so I want to encourage you guys. We're inviting God to begin to minister to us, speak to us at a higher level. Do your part. It's a simple part. Make time for him. Open that door in the natural, and he'll come in the spirit. But you and the natural have to carve out space. All of us can do that. And so let's, let's pray a prayer together today. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to come and minister to us and begin. Let's just endeavor that he'll begin to speak to us. He'll begin to prompt us. And I want to encourage you guys, share with your friends or people you trust in the faith what God is, is talking to you about. Begin to... Bring it to the surface. I share almost everything that comes to me with Sophia 
and she does the same with me, but God will give you friends or partners or people in the church that you can share with, begin to build expectation around, this is what God's showing, this is what he's, he's doing. Isn't that cool? Isn't that good? Doesn't that sound cool? <laughs> or, or was that okay? That was a dream. I'm not sure if that was God or something else. It's good to have, we're bringing it up. We're starting to articulate what is going on, and we're, we're, we're therefore placing value on it. We're saying, this is of value to me. It's not something I'm going to easily or quickly forget. So, Father, I just invite you in. Angels, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we invite you in to begin to minister to each one here. God, you see the hearts of the different ones in this room. And so, just collectively, we ask that you would increase the dreams, visions, prompts of the Lord, your desire for us to advance the kingdom of God. And I pray for great courage and great passion towards obedience out of this family. I pray that each one will begin to draw towards you and give you time like Peter did that day. And as a result of that time, Lord, you would come faithfully to minister and to meet. And Lord, we pray that you would break into our life with dreams in the night seasons. We pray that you would break in with great peace so that there could be clear communication between us and you. And Father, we just ask for forgiveness in those areas where we've not been yielded. If the Lord is prompting you right now, one of the greatest voices that, that I've experienced with the Lord, you say, well, you say you hear from God, I don't hear from God. The, the, the greatest voice is conviction. The most loving voice that God has is conviction. And oftentimes, He's quiet because we have a track record of just blatantly disobeying his prompts. And so the first step toward relationship is yielding. And so for some of us, there's areas of our life, maybe it's just one, you call it like a hidden sin or something, it's, there's no such thing, but the idea that there's part of your life that you just know is not yielded, let's ask for forgiveness today. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit. Let's just say, Father, forgive me for this area where I have obviously not kneel, knelt down all the way. I haven't made it to the ground in this area. I'm holding on to my own opinions or my own ideas. I have too much control in an area that you are obviously pointing at. And so we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us with conviction and give us the courage to begin to obey. All right, this is a fun one. I, so just, I, sometimes, sometimes I'll give examples when we're talking about stuff like this. This is not, this is just how the Holy Spirit works. Some of us, like, we want the deeper God life, but the areas that we, we're continuing to, like, it's like we're holding onto the steering wheel. It's like we're saying, God, take us wherever you want us to go, but the steering wheel, it's mine. Some of us, like, there's a dating life where it's like, I am going to pursue and find this person and God has said, take a break. <laughs> That's a great example of like your will versus his will. It's not that he doesn't care about that deep concern of yours. It's that he wants you to yield in the most important parts of your life always. Maybe it's, it's a certain job that you're still in when he's told you to pursue something else or it's, you're pursuing something when he's told you to stay. 
these big core issues where you don't trust anymore because there's been so much delay may just be the test of surrender so that you can get to the next chapter. And so I just ask God for courage for those who that applies to. And Holy Spirit, we love you and we just want to invite you to be louder in our life. And we're sorry if we've grieved you by disobeying you. And we invite greater conviction. We, ingre- we invite holiness to be the standard for our lives. But most of all, God, we invite your teaching and leading to a life of greater surrender. We love you, Jesus. You're trustworthy and you're good. All right, eyes on me. If you want prayer, if there's a, like a, something that's just been stuck, right? Like I just prayed for things that might just be like you're, you know it's like a, area of your life where you can't surrender it to God, you gotta get together with somebody and pray for that thing to break. And that's good, that's normal and that's healthy. So we have, we'll have people that'll be up here to pray with you after the service if you want that. If you just wanna take a step and go, hey, today's the day where I actually wanna, it's almost like be born again in this, this chapter. Like I'm willing to take great risk where I feel like I've been dormant and I've just been kinda going through the motions. Pray in agreement with somebody. Don't do it on your own. Let's just make a statement today that this is our day for newness, new hope, and new courage. So proud of you guys. I love you. You just got through an advanced lesson. Good job. Stand up. Give somebody a hug. We love you. If you want prayer, make your way up. God bless you guys.